Sportscast Prime. Afternoon, everybody. I'd like to introduce this episode of Sportscast Prime by letting you guys know I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed as I often am by baseball fans. Really by fans in general. But I'm specifically talking about baseball today. A week ago, since we've missed you guys for a week, Jacoby Ellsbury signed a $150 million contract with the New York Yankees. Jacoby Ellsbury, of course, has spent his entire career up to this point on the Boston Red Sox. Boston Red Sox fans are not happy about this. I've seen so many things about this on Facebook and on Twitter and with my friends that I know about how he's, you know, where's the loyalty, about how he's a fraud, you know. And this, you know, this is just specifically from Red Sox fans because this pertains, this particular one pertains to Red Sox fans. They've been through this before. Johnny Damon did the same thing. He said, and he even said, I would never go to the Yankees. And then he did. So, understandably, Red Sox fans are like, get out of here. You know, big betrayal, right? Because Jacoby Ellsbury made a business decision. He placed business over loyalty. He took the extra $30 million and went to the hated rival. You know who else made a business decision? The Boston Red Sox made a business decision. Where's their loyalty? Mm. The Boston Red Sox looked at Jacoby Ellsbury and said, thanks for all the memories. We're not going to pay you what your fair market value is. Why is nobody getting on the Red Sox? Where's a team's loyalty to its player? What's the $30 million to the Red Sox? And I'm not criticizing the move in their case. The Red Sox are making smart moves. Because to pay Jacoby Ellsbury more than what he's worth is not something that's going to lead them to a title. But at the same time, it's not exactly, you know, showing loyalty. A lot of fans think that players care about these things as much as they do. And in a lot of ways, it's just not true. You know... Jacoby Ellsbury, a lot, a lot of us think in general, and this is not to be on Red Sox fans. Again, this is just the specific example. All fans are like this. Uh, you know, when you see a player make a decision with his life, with his livelihood, that is about money, to you, to us, to all, to most fans, you know, that player is a rich person. You know, what's and what's the difference between X amount of rich and Y amount of rich? Jacoby Ellsbury is a rich man. All right. With $120 million a year that the Red Sox were going to offer him, he'd be a rich man. Mm. And he's going to be a rich man with $150. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people say, what's the difference? You know, what's $30 million to you? You're a rich man. To that I say, you know who's a lot richer than Jacoby Ellsbury? The Boston the Red, Red Sox. Sox. Mm-hmm. The Boston Red Sox are way richer. Why is nobody asking, what's $30 million to the Boston Red Sox. 
Why is nobody asking, where's the Red Sox loyalty? You can't just pony up the extra dough for the sake of keeping your player, who is an instrumental part of of this run that you've been on, where you've been the most successful, basically, most successful baseball team of the last decade? And again, the answer is no, because the Red Sox are a smart organization. And Jacoby Ellsbury just isn't important enough to that organization to overpay. Certain players might be. David Ortiz might be. Um, Derek Jeter to the Yankees. The Yankees made a sort of silly baseball decision a couple years ago <coughs> by giving an aging Derek Jeter, who is not the same player that he once was, a lot of money. But they did it because they just had to. They can't imagine, you know, it's part of the Yankees' brand. What, what are they going to do? if Derek Jeter is ever wears another yeah. baseball helmet. I don't know. Welcome to SportsCast <laughs> Prime again. Hey, Nick. Hey, John. Mm, hey, Sorry for the rant. Sorry. I just had to just go off on that. What do you guys think here? No, Red Sox fans are the most ignorant fans in sports, and I'll say that grudgingly. No, I'll say that fine, grudgingly. I'm, I, and I'm not even a Yankee fan on this one, but they are like... They are ignorant because I I remember or they they tend to forget what other players meant for their team and stuff like that because I remember them doing, doing parting shots to Manny once Manny left. I also remember going for back in the day once Pedro Martinez uh, signed with the Mets. I had a couple of friends of mine who were Red Sox fans like, hey, good luck with that man. He's not the same pitcher as this and that. It's like what? Like this guy just not only that. Like when you guys were. An irrelevant franchise getting your sorry, getting your asses swept by the Yankees in like the first round of the playoffs. This guy was literally the only thing to go and see for your team yeah. in that four years, and this is the way you repay him. And they even like to a lesser extent. I remember when Salta Lamaki signed with the Marlins. Some like good luck with the strikeouts at the big moments and stuff. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? He's been a good. Ca- I don't know. I just tend to people. You know that happens, and you know Reds. And again, like I, I, I probably wouldn't go as far as what you said, where I would really like pile on Red Sox fans in particular. Red Sox fans. I think all fans are that way. I think all fans feel a loyalty that 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 players don't. They have like unrealistic expectations of what their player, their players' loyalty, how they view rivalry. But I feel like stuff it, like that. It, if I'm a Met fan and David Wright left to Philly or something like that, I would say, you know, well, good. F- I I wouldn't have no ill will to it. I I don't like the Phillies. Not some, you know, I don't like the Phillies, but like he hasn't done like. I understand his role. He's the he was the face of the franchise. He was the face of the team. You know, like I I respect David Wright. He has n- nothing to do with respect. You know, but my respect. Where I don't know, I could see where it comes from. It's different to me where it's like when Carlos Beltran was like, good riddance, bum. Thanks for getting us, Zach Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, I understand that it's uh, a lot of fans are probably short sighted and probably the majority, I would say, also thinks that way. They don't think of the other side of what, you know, of people's mm. livelihoods and making the decisions, why they made the decisions. They just see, oh, you're not with us, so we're against you now. And it's kind of short-minded and that's how I looked at how some fans are could be that way yeah I mean I like so I'm a Yankee fan right mm-hmm. and as well as I'm. my one of my one of my favorite players as a matter of fact probably given who's left on the Yankees I mean you've got Jeter possibly my I, I, I haven't really thought this through too much but probably my second favorite player Curtis Granderson I love Curtis Granderson mm-hmm. he left the Yankees this offseason to go to the Mets 
which is a blast. Shouldn't I be pissed about? I'm not pissed. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. pissed about I'm not, that. Yeah. I miss. I'll miss him. You know, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. liked him. I liked the guy. I liked his goofy smile and the fact that he couldn't hit 250. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and but he was still like a, a slugger. I just, yeah. I, I enjoyed when he was. I'm, I'm sorry that he just barely missed out on the, on the title, the 09 title. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is what it is. And you know, as, it, as when it comes to Red Sox fans, I think Red Sox fans are in such a weird position of. The identity of a Red Sox fan, anybody who's grown up a Red Sox fan and has grown up anywhere, you know, Connecticut and North, mm. is an identity of of just misery, you know? That's that's mm-hmm. that's what it is to be a Red Sox fan, but not anymore. Yeah. So there's this, like, there's this sort of dissonance, because but, now, since, since 2004... Mm-hmm. They're the best team to possibly be a fan of. You know what I mean? So like, like they're the most successful, like, smartest run, most championships out of any other. You know, like it, it's not miserable to be a Red Sox fan anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's that's so ingrained in everyone and their fathers and their fathers' fathers mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like the Red Sox fans right now are in such a unique position because I I think they probably want to still they still have feel that identity of what it is to be a Red Sox fan, mm-hmm. but there's like a dissonance between what's happening on the field now because they're, they're so good now. So now so now that like they've recently have success now where they can't, they're afraid of reverting back to the old ways because there, be. there is a space between those who have seen the struggling times of what they've been through and yeah. not being able to win championships at all and the difference of, oh, there's a new fans, a new young fan base that they have that are just used to seeing the success that they have, like, currently. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They do have that mind frame. Also the mind frame of, you know, making fun of other teams for having roid users when they also have roid users <laughs> in their own backyard. <laughs> but anyway, but but they, they tend not to forget that it happened. Short-minded. You know you did it, David Ortiz. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus, wow. I, I, I don't like sock fans. I'm John, saying. John is a secret Yankee fan. And no, I don't not like. <laughs> nobody uh, knows. Understand that I the do Yankee fans aren't saying. This. I do not know. <laughs> Shots. <laughs> All right, so we've had you know we've had an interesting offseason so far. You know the Yankees have new, completely new faces in the outfield now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, we've had some other moves. We had a big trade go down between the Rangers. And the Tigers, two of the, uh, the two, two of the big t- the Tigers, two of the best teams in the AL, two of their best players. I I I've honestly can't even recall ever seeing anything like this happen, at least not recently. Yeah. But uh, Kinsler and Kinsler, second baseman for Prince Fielder, one BDH, whatever you want to call him, at this point. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I like uh, it. It's a weird move for me because it's. You get rid of, uh, I know um, Fielder, he's probably not going to hit 50 home runs ever again like he did in Milwaukee, but he still like hit, like, what was it, 20-something and drove in like 100 guys last year. So it it's a weird spot. Like, it might have been, I think it's a salary dump because they still owed him a lot of money on that deal, too. They sure do. I, I kind of wonder why Texas did it, to be honest. Because Kinsler just seems like a... Something well, I don't know. What were their what, what were their issues last year? I mean, did they need the power? Because I feel that with, with um, what's his face with Fielder though? I think it's the same thing with like guys who are like kind of well chubbly built like him. Basically, that's not even a word, but chubbly built fat guys. Basically, they don't hold. I don't know. They're like especially with his father. Remember when his father was one of the best power hitters? And then it just 
that's it. I don't know. I just feel like guys like that, it just they don't last like him, Kruk, guys like that. So I guess they need power, but I don't understand why, because like Texas, I thought you could put any schmo out in that field and they'll hit like we <laughs> Is he on a ten year deal? Was he ten for two eighteen? Am I remembering that? Yeah. Correctly? And yeah. first ten year deal, I think. And now the, well, after A Rod. And now he has like eight years left on his deal, so yeah. That's I mean that's that's crippling. But you know, sometimes that's just Kinsler signed an extension too recently, but it wasn't as big. I think yeah, it was like six like or something. So you know, at this point, ten. That you know, I think all the evidence points to a ten-year be- deal being terrible for your team. You yeah, know, all of the evidence. Will this be goals, like the end at, of the ten-year? You look deal. at oh, yeah. maybe. I mean, you look at you look at two two separate A Rod deals. You know, and you look at Pujols, which already isn't paying off, and you know. Even Cano was 10 years. Well, that's the thing. Cano is 10 years, and to a certain extent, the Mariners sort of, like, 10 years, the 240 or whatever it was that he got, is kind of just the tax to get him off the Yankees, basically. So I I think they're assuming, okay, this is going to be a total waste in year 6 through 10, but we're just paying him all the money, mostly just for the production we get in the next five years while he's still in his prime. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, I mean, jeez. Because how much do the Yankees offer... The Yankees weren't they going that much. They weren't going that much. I mean, they would have. Wasn't it up. like five years? It, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, Cashman but, said he wouldn't do anything no, beyond. He wouldn't do anything beyond seven. Yeah, because no, he, yeah, you're right. Because yeah, he, he wants to stay away from ten years. He said he's not doing that. He's not yeah, falling for that trap again. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. So uh, we had we had another uh, another team making some moves. Uh the Mets with their right, signing. Yeah, yeah reconvince us <laughs> that you're actually a Mets fan, dude. <laughs> Not only did they sign uh, Granderson to four-year $60 million, they also signed um, Bartolo Colon to two years uh, $20 million, which was a good deal because they said they weren't going to give a long-term deal out to a pitcher because they have so many prospects, pitching prospects coming up. He had a solid year in Oakland. Um, he went 18-6 and six with a 2.65 ERA. His ERA, coincidentally enough, matches his weight. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, I had to make another fat joke. But uh, He's chubbly built. Yeah, he's chubbly built. But <laughs> you and me had a talk off here. I think off the thing, I think it was a good idea, especially going from an AL to an NL. Going to NL, I think, is good. Especially, like, it's a... I know it's not Oakland, like like the Coliseum was, but the Mets still, it's still a pitching park. Yeah. I, you know, I think you don't, you know, you don't know what you're going to get with a guy like Bartolo Colon. I mean, he's over 40. He's been in the league forever. He's been a little bit up and down. He's been mostly good. I, you know, and maybe for a different podcast, but yeah. uh, Bartolo Colon Hall of Fame would be an interesting uh, topic. Um, Cause he's been up and down. He's been like good and bad, like throughout his career. He's been on so many different teams. But the thing though, is he got suspended to pop twice for steroids. Oh, that's that's the problem. Yeah. So, so too. He's out. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I, I, what I do like about it and it is kind of, it's sort of a lot of money, but it's, it's a short amount of years. And I think that's a very smart thing to do uh, just two years. And that actually they're following. And I think this could be the, the, the 2013 Red Sox had a model they had yeah. a business model that I think probably will become the prototype for the way you know business is done these days, where they spent like they they shoveled out they they, they gave out money to players and they overpaid players in certain cases. They overpaid overpaid kind of like semi mediocre like Ryan Dempster, they gave him like ten million. He's not yeah. really that good. But 
they gave him one year. Same thing with Napoli. Yeah, exactly. Napoli, one year deal. And so what that does is, yeah, <clears throat> like you spend a lot of money, but the Red Sox don't have a problem spending money. But what they have, what it gives them is flexibility. Flexibility, exactly. They're not just stuck with this giant albatross contract for years, and you like know, the John Lackey deal and yeah, stuff like exactly. that. And you look at like a team like the Yankees that is struggling to get under the 189 because otherwise their like repeater tax will kick in for yeah. being over the uh, whatever that the threshold or whatever threshold is um, for like four or five years in a row. If you know you can. <gasps> Let's oh. say the Red Sox were to do this for a few more years. Okay, they can have huge payrolls, and then they can easily just have a year where they just don't like binge, yeah. you know. And it's it's real easy. They don't have to like let everybody on the team go. They can just let the certain players go, and, like not resign players, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, the, I enjoyed that Granderson signing. I mean, it's. It's he's the highest paid player now, like technically. Well, n- besides David Wright's, like the second highest paid player on the Mets, and I'm not expecting him to hit like this hit the 84 home runs that he did in like 11 and 12 combined for the Yankees. But if he gets somewhere in that, I mean, it's I understand that some of it was park aided too because that short porch. Eh, but he did this too. He he hit 30 home runs multiple times for Detroit, and that's a notorious pitcher's park too. So we'll see. Mets aren't done though. They're fielding trade offers for Ike Davis, so we'll see. Right. Because they've been enamored with yeah. uh, Lucas Duda in first base, so we'll see how that goes. Is he finally, going to break through. I hope so, because Duda he was a disaster out in left field when he was the namesake of my fantasy baseball team last year. Duda, the Duda bides. Duda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, he was he was Ted a- likes that name. He was a disaster in the outfield, but when Davis got hurt or demoted and in slash hurt, like they put him at first base and feel like he was comfortable at first base. And like Davis, he's shown promise. He was one of the young like building blocks supposedly, but once you kind of hit below the Mendoza line for two straight years, it's kind of like, eh. yeah, <laughs> that's a little rough. Uh, you know, they got they got some young guys. They've got um, who's the catcher? What's his name? Uh, Denard, Travis Darnard. Travis th- Darnard. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, th- things are. I mean, it, things it, seem to perpetually be looking it, up. It, <laughs> but yeah, they're looking up. Yeah. <laughs> they got Noah Snydergrad too from the um, from the Dicky trade though too. He's their top prospect. He might come up through midseason. Zach Wheeler. I mean, mm-hmm. you got young guys like Harvey's going to come back. Unfortunately, not this year, but next year. So, yeah. like you said, it's looking up. But then again, like I remember in the '90s when they had the other three pitchers, one of them being Jason Igrahausen coming up. They're like, oh, this is going to be the next rotation set. Yeah, you know. Um, all right, we've hit our twenty-minute mark. I know we've since we're lot, we've got a lot. We're boring Nick podcast. here. Sorry, Nick. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting Nick. Nick's gonna Nick's gonna come in hot right now because uh, let's 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 get some football talk going on. You want to lead us off, Nick? Right. Is there anything bothering you right now? Just like you were irritated, I'm a bit irritated, and I am talking on behalf of Dallas Cowboys fans. And for my frustration, it's mainly with the owner and actually the team, actually the hirings of what he's done and the positions that we've been in basically mediocre for like 
what, 17 years or well, yeah, <laughs> they, so. like 191 <laughs> and 191. You know, right? exactly. the, 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 the one playoff win, well, yeah. basically. Yep, for, you're right, Mike. So. They've been exactly 500 since they won the Super Bowl back in 95. Yeah. yeah At so. least as of a few weeks as ago. Of, Maybe yeah. it's slightly different now. But. Slightly now, but... So, basically, where the frustration is, is a lot of things that are happening right now is, like, Jerry Jones, like... If you want to think about this, out of all the owners in NFL, who do you hear most talking out of Jerry anybody? Jones. No more than Jerry Jones. The only time, nope. uh, the only uh, other owner that I heard spoke out was like Dan Snyder because of the the name of his team of this year. You know, that's about the only time I've heard. Oh, oh preview, preview. <laughs> but uh, but uh, not going into that. But like every week, you can go on any kind of sportscast or any other ESPN, something like that. You hear Jerry Jones opening his mouth about something, this, that, and the third about the team. But it's like the the problem is he's the GM, he's the president, he's the he's the owner. And there's like nothing there's not good football decisions like going through a process. It's just him making decisions and there's the coach that basically is his lapdog that he tells what to do. Well, there so. hasn't been good football decisions since Parcells left because he gave Parcells like a say and input and stuff too. And you saw what happened. Like there's still some guys from the Parcell era, like Ware and Romo and guys like that, but they're getting old, long in the tooth now too. And yeah, yeah. Team, yeah. Yeah, that was a Parcells team. Yeah. Loaded. Well, the problem is the talent is always there. That's not. That's never. The talent was never the problem. It's yeah. the. It's the coaching. It's the process of having, like, for other football. Say, like, for any other any other football team. You don't have like a situation where a player can like, hey, go talk to Jerry Jones. They nobody. The Giants. Uh, your owner. Um, that's uh, uh, merit. Merit. Well, nobody. Tish, tish. I, I don't think could anybody go ahead of Coughlin uh, of Tom. Uh, not Coughlin. Um. Your head coach. Uh, nobody's going to go ahead of your head coach and go straight to the owner and oh, like yeah, yeah, and like yeah. have a conversation of a problem that they're having on the football team. Yeah. Well, I there's that's a lot one of there's, good thing about there's being a, lot, a Giants fan. Is but no, that's like a lot of teams. Solid. Like yeah, not, like a lot. I don't think you can go on any other football team. And then there's like you have access to the owner and go talk to him about your problems. There's like there's a chain of command and you have a GM, you have a president, you have the owner, and you have these guys doing these jobs. Jerry's doing all of that. And that's really is. and that's where the problem lies. His influence is kind of is seen over the team in ways that like you don't really see with a lot of teams. So like for instance, mm-hmm. Jason Garrett. Yeah. I don't think you could, it's it's very very questionable whether Jason Garrett has earned his what four years now as as coach something. Like that. about three. It's questionable whether he earned the position in the first place. It's like it's about it's it's he, like three and a half something yeah, like that. And yeah. Whether he should even have still been the coach going into this year. Mm-hmm. But we all know why he's the coach and has been the coach yes. of the Dallas Cowboys because he's Jerry Jones' pet project. That's his guy. It, Jerry, Jerry Jones was like, I really like Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. This guy's been a cowboy for like, you know, he's good for the brand of the Cowboys. He, yeah. was, the, he was Troy Aikman's backup his entire career. Mm-hmm. He actually was a Giants backup for like one year. One year. But like, um, Trey Aikman's back. He's been. A, he was a, basically a cowboy for life. Mm-hmm. Then he was the. Uh, you know, he was an assistant coach. He was the offensive coordinator. 
basically since before he even retired as a football player, mm. Jerry Jones has wanted that guy to one day become the coach of the Cowboys. Yeah. And he's gotten his wish. But that's the thing. Mm-hmm. He's the coach because Jerry Jones, Jones that's his one guy. time said, I want that. And yeah. so now it's kind of an ego thing, you know? Yeah. You might even say the same thing about Tony Romo. Tony now, Romo, Kiffin. Yeah, we've all talked about Tony Romo, and like I, yeah. I think he's he, he gets a bad rap. I, he I, does. Even yeah, yeah. Even even you who are more frustrated with him than like we are. But I've I've li- I've lightened up a bit. Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of agrees that he's gotten a bad rap. But yeah. The thing is, that's another guy that. That's his guy. He's in. Yeah. They're not ever gonna give up on him because that's Jerry Jones's pet. Yeah. You know, that's Jerry Jones's influence. Yeah. But like, but then again, shouldn't work that way, right? No, a team should not work that way. So like, the problem that's also the also the problem though, because out of all his whatever you want to call his career, it's been good numbers wise, but progressions and wins and playoffs, it's been yeah. But he's got fifty five million guaranteed, and then Jerry Jones comes out and says, "Oh, now he's going to do the extra work after he gets he gets his fifty five million dollars." You're supposed to earn that. You're supposed to be doing that before you get fifty-five million guaranteed. Now that you have it, oh, now he's gonna do it. That's the. That's kind of like it's backwards. I wonder if they even needed to do that. What to pay him that much? Was Tony Romo gonna go to another team? There was no suggestion of it. I haven't even heard. Any team would have taken it. Any team definitely would have taken him, but would they've given him fifty-five million? Is the question? I don't know. Because I, I mean, like, because Aaron Rodgers had gotten uh, what was it? 54 or well, I, 52 something like that so the market wouldn't suggest that he would have gotten that much money if Aaron Rodgers got this and he's won a Super Bowl then how can you sit in here and say without a play with only one playoff win with Tony Romo grant the 55 million dollars well I feel it's the nature of good faith though too because let's not kid ourselves he's the best quarterback they had since Aikman so I feel like you know yeah I know but I understand that but like, like the face of the franchise but how many new young quarterbacks are doing pretty well right now and you're still stuck with Tony Romo yeah what they really need I mean the thing is I think they probably just haven't had their their, uh, their opportunity to draft really high and mm-hmm. go after a quarterback you know like can, um, Ted, I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. What? What happened here? All right. right, You guys talk. Well, no, that's me, I think. And so, well, my point is basically he kind of gets in the way to the aspect that all the decisions that he's making is like, he already said out loud, like in public, that he wants to be the reason why they win a Super Bowl. It's not like, like basically his decisions. It's like, he's not going to go out and get like this guy. That's an amazing coach because it's not his guy. Cause that's why he's sticking with, uh, sticking with the head coach that he has now. So it's basically, it doesn't seem like he's going to go out of his way to like get this person or like, even when he got Kiffin, for instance, not a, very old guy. It, he's it, like, well, he's like seventy something, yeah. and it's like, come on, you couldn't really find like a defensive coach that could like fill this position that's made for that was made for the for this team because Kiffin's defense doesn't even fit the roster that we have. So it's like, yeah, the, but that's his guy. So that's that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. You know what really digs in his cry? I think because. It does. He doesn't get credit for the three Super Bowls. Everyone's like, even when even I he, give him credit. He, well, a lot of people give him credit. No, I don't think they give him credit. Even when Barry Switzer coached it, everyone's like, 
that's Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson that, that, yeah. that, that's yeah. Jimmy Johnson. He's the one with that, and I think that gets under Jerry Jones's skin more than any anything. But like when you I think agree. about it, like he brought him in, right? He brought him in, so and like, he and he gave him control with draft picks, and he gave him full access to all that stuff. He so. became such a big name <laughs> that he like not regretted it, mm-hmm. but kind of just you know was a little jealous. So that, like so like when. We're like say like when the Patriots were winning, does not Robert Kraft get credit for like assembling, getting like the player? And- he gets a reasonable amount of credit. Yeah, that's. But all- I think what Jerry Jones wanted was more than what Robert Kraft cares. More about, than that. Know? Well, then there lies the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so like hey, that- we're all in agreement here. So okay, all right. So then now I like the, the that's where the frustration with Cowboys right. fans lies. So now we, I like have to wait until he's incapable for whatever reason not to make football decisions. So speaking, yeah. So NFC East, are we going in the same direction here? Speaking of uh, dysfunctional (laughs) families, yeah. What's going on in Washington right now? Um, Right. RG three just got benched. I don't even really know what that's about. Well, there's a couple of things running himself out. Wow. So there's a couple of things that is uh, up with that. There's a few reasons why you would want to have Kirk Cousins in. You either want him to see how he's going to be, or you want to see how much of a big of a trade piece he's going to be. Yeah, or you want him to become a big trade piece yes. by just having actual games. Because like, it's not like he's going to be a Matt Flynn or anything, because he has way more games than Matt Flynn has. He does. So he has like ex- people have seen they have like they have videos. He played well in the pl- in a playoff in game. a playoff he game. Played well in more than one, one regular more than one regular game. season game. And, so and, now, and these next two weeks, man. And what a way for them to inflate his trade value against Atlanta and Dallas, two of the worst secondaries <laughs> in the league. The league so, definitely. Right, like, what a way to so, yeah, it's definitely a perfect timing. Shrewd operators on, on their behalf, definitely. I also think it might so. be the humble RG3, though, too, because to re- even remember they're this circus sideshow on the offseason, is RG3 playing? Is he not playing? He says he wants to play, oh, but I Shanahan haven't. doesn't want him to play. Mm-hmm. But no, now Shanahan's be beside him. Oh, now they're not getting along. What's going on here? Oh, now they're the bestest of friends and stuff. Like, what's going on? Well, you like, had to know what... that it wasn't going to start that great because, first of all, Shanahan didn't even want to trade up to get him. He wanted to stick with Tannehill. That's, yeah, that's and why. And then he thought Cousins was a, was a steal when he got him. So yeah. and then there was a lot of people who were iffy about that, but so you know. maybe that's why they did that. I remember that was such a bizarre thing to it was draft RG three, yeah. and then to draft another quarterback, quarterback of the future, yeah, like two rounds later. Yeah, but, all right. I never really knew that, so maybe that's just yeah, like, that was a, being like yeah, yeah. And then he comes out. Did you? He basically says that Kirk Cousins is going to start, and he says I'm making the football decisions no matter what. Dan I'm Snyder making says. the football decisions still, yeah. still. Well, that's yeah. um. That was the only thing. Because I know uh, Dan Snyder. You're. I'm glad you brought that up. I know Dan Snyder basically stopped meddling and gave Shanahan all the whole power. But that's the one thing. He's like, no, we 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 need to get like our franchise quarterback. He felt RG three is the franchise quarterback. Even then, like when he like throughout the season, he still meddled because RG three had like a lot of, uh, I guess special treatment. You you can call it. I guess and and basically like he lost the locker room. Lot, you know, it's tough because a lot of it goes back to last year when he, when he, you know, pressure. The thing is, a player can't. You can say you leave the decision to come back into a game mm-hmm. up to a player, but it's never left up to the player, player because no. they will just because there's such a stigma if you look like a sissy, mm-hmm. particularly in football, mm-hmm. that they will put themselves at risk just yeah. to not have that stigma. And they'll just be like, yeah, I'm the quarterback, mm-hmm. I'm the leader. It's called the mm-hmm. Cutler dichotomy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's a rookie. Like, yeah. I, I've got to look like a leader. Mm-hmm. I've got to come out and play. Shanahan should have held him out. 
And I think mm. everybody knows that because mm. he got he, he yeah. got screwed up, mm. you know, in that game. And he shouldn't have come We're back talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the yeah. playoff of yeah. the Seattle and game. And so then going into this offseason. So what was this, your opinion, your two opinion on that? I didn't. I can't recall what your opinion about that whole situation was. I don't really remember. I, I honestly don't Do you not remember? I, okay. It's... They should have sat him because if he's to face your franchise, if he's your future at quarterback, yeah. you have to sit him. Like, okay, okay. I just because like when you have a good guy. Yeah. Okay. Either way, um, what's inarguable is that there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of discomfort there this offseason because there's a little bit of resentment, like RG three just sitting there with a bum knee and he can't like practice. He can't play in preseason. He comes out in the first game all tentative. You know, noticeably, noticeably tentative, not the same guy, mm-hmm. mostly because he's just afraid, you know, and mm-hmm. in a, in, a, in not comfortable large part with what he to, has to do. due to the fact that he got an injured leg injured further, mm-hmm. mostly because his co- his coach didn't have like the wherewithal to just be like, no, yeah, you know, we're not, <laughs> we because- didn't, we didn't draft you to play and win us a division title one year. You know, we drafted you to be our quarterback mm-hmm. of the future. There's there's also the underlining thing, too, the, that and the reason why I felt he struggled, too. I read an interesting article about how he's struggling adjusting to a pro-style offense. The reason why he was so successful last year is because Shanahan tailored his Baylor spread offense to that. That's sure. why. So now Shanahan's like, you know what? This might not last, you know, because this whole spread offense thing might go the way of the Wildcats. So he wanted him to... Uh, to um, fit in a pro-style offense, and he's been struggling making the reads of simple defenses, because I read this one thing, a perfect example was the Sunday night game against the Giants, where he dropped back, and he took a sack, and they said, oh, it's a poor offensive line. They say, if you broke down the film and look at it, it wasn't a poor offensive line. He's like, he thought there was nobody open, in which there were rece- in NFL standards, Though there were receivers open, he's used to the spread offense. Neck just dump it off to the quick open guy. There are guys that are open, but you you know NFL stance. He said where like Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady could have made that throw in their eyes closed. Like RG three is more tentative because he's not used to that style. You know. I heard about that report. Actually, anybody they said anybody actually like if you're used to the pocket pass. Uh, anybody could have actually made that throw because they're used to reading that. that well, that. well, if you're used also, to that pro style offense, yeah, not also, like the spread, get the guy out and quick in space. Also, basically, the spreads just it's just read and react. There's yeah. like base, it's pitch and catch basically. And also, um, he wanted to go into that style. He he said he didn't want to do the read option anymore. He said he wanted to to play that particular style. So it's kind of on him as well, because especially especially when you go from. Especially when you go from a um, from a prof- like from the read option, that's like more of a reacting. It's not reading it like that's that's reading the line. That's not reading what's going on downfield, really. Do you guys want to talk about a good team? Well, this actually <laughs> should be well. Actually, though, like this should be an interesting ta- topic for another time about like. With these spread quarterbacks, do you think teams are going to be wary of these spread quarterbacks? Like, especially like in the first round, like if you're a team like Cleveland or Oakland, like would you be more inclined to draft like uh, Derek or well, I was let me say uh, Zach Zach, Zach, Zach Mettenberger. Mettenberger. He tore his ACL, so unfortunately, he was going to be a first round <laughs> yeah, pick. But yeah. let's hypothetically like a Zach Mettenberger who played in a pro style offense and. In LSU, or would you rather draft a guy like John Manziel, who plays in a spread type of offense? I'd be more inclined to draft Zach Medenberger, to be honest with you. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, you know that, that we probably <laughs> well, he's learned a little bit of pass, but like I would say that you would have to look at history and think that 
how many running quarter like Reed or running quarterbacks won Super Bowls. And yeah. if you look, there's not any. So I would go Steve probably, Young. Steve Young. Well, well yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, he's close. He's close. Becomes, he's close. That's where it becomes complicated yeah. because Steve Young was a quarterback who could scramble. Who could yeah. scramble, yeah. Great, greatly. But was he? He wasn't a read option quarterback. No, and he also wasn't a running quarterback. But you know, yeah. there's a whole other like aspect to this is which is what there, there's there's like latent racism in the idea of a running quarterback. People just call black quarterbacks running quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, a lot. And people don't like for instance they when, won't be able this year. when people say Steve Young is a running quarterback, people kind of go, "Wait, what?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Or even when Mark Brunel's like, "No." Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or Andrew Luck. Andrew yeah, Luck and Andrew RG3 Luck is, thing. Yeah. Andrew Luck is yeah. runs faster than RG three. Yeah, actually, I might be wrong about that, but he's actually, literally, you, well, now, yeah, yeah, he's like super athletic, but people look big. at things in dichotomies. So it's yeah. the the white dude, yeah. and the black dude, and yeah. this is what the white dude does, and this is what the black dude. Does, or you're you know? absolutely right. Or I like yeah. how they like just he's a running quarterback, and he's if he's of questionable ethnicity, they'll throw them in the black quarterback like yeah. Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> like yeah. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's a running exactly. quarterback. He's a black quarterback. I don't even know if he's black what are you guys talking about like yeah, nick Foles is a running quarterback is he yes I, I i need to watch nick Foles play um you had a whole thing about him lately haven't you huh i uh, hey whole... you know what i wish i i wish i had him in my fantasy or even, <laughs> or even like russell wilson too it's like russell wilson yeah, i'm so go. glad you mentioned yes. russell wilson because yes. i want to talk about the seattle seahawks mm-hmm. what a team is mm-hmm. anybody beating them this year um, no, but if if the 49ers continue on the path that they are, they come on, Nick. So? Do you really? Yeah, really? They, yes, the 49ers have been playing very well lately, and they, they just did, beat them the other did, this did, past week. They, they did just beat them with game manager Kaepernick as their quarterback, Kaepernick. <laughs> Kaepernick. <laughs> I don't know where Kaepernick. It, it, for me, <laughs> Kaepernick. For for Us. me, with that win, like I feel that win. I don't know. Like if I'm a Niner fan, I wouldn't time my you know to the wagon saying we we definitely have what it takes to beat seattle in seattle like and with that i don't know i i i will say like here's the thing like seattle seattle really impresses me you know Mm -hmm. their defense they never stop coming Mm -hmm. they have a secondary you know they got players like richard sherman and players who aren't playing anymore thanks to uh what is the seattle seattle all seattle all seahawks that's that's john's uh john's thing Uh, they had a couple they had a couple uh banned substance um, Which, by the way, sorry, okay. but by the way, if this was a team like the St. Louis Cardinals, this would be a much bigger story than it was. Right, I don't understand, right. like how, it's, like nobody cares. In was football. it like eight guys got popped for yeah. steroids on that team? You know team? what it is. You know what it is because football isn't about stats the way baseball is, and so you look at people don't like when stats aren't you know aren't mm. right because of steroids, mm. like David Ortiz. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Uh. So they. I mean, they've got they've got this like huge amount of just great defensive players that they can just keep throwing at you. I mean, this the fact that they are getting by with Russell Wilson, who is a on a third-round draft pick's salary, mm-hmm. like $500,000 or something, um, is amazing for them because they went out this year and they signed, like, uh, who is it? Not Calais Campbell. Who am I thinking of? 
Oh, the names escape uh, me. But they signed. They signed basically the two. Bi- oh, Michael Bennett is one of them, and I forget the other guy. But they signed the two biggest pass rushers in free agency this year mm-hmm. to a team that already is awash in pass rushers. Like yeah. they signed as luxuries things that were team needs for other teams, and you know it's just something that they can do because they have this this great situation with Russell Wilson, and you know you've got you've got talented receivers, great they drafting, traded, great yeah, drafting. Nothing. You know, you got Percy Harvin. I I want to go back to the secondary. I mean, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Sherman. Brandon Browner, who's yeah. not in anymore. But you know, the guys who stepped in for him and the other member of the secondary who got suspended. Suspended, yeah. Um, they've been great. Yeah. They're they're just sick. Their offense kills you. Mm-hmm. Teams. We we. John and I have been following this uh, thing that we read about the team. Okay, teams get so beat up by Seattle that. The, this happened for like eight straight weeks, and then I don't think we've been paying attention since then. But the week after a team played Seattle, they got blown out consistently just oh. from being beat up by okay. that team. Okay. And it's not even just the defense. I mean, they have Marshawn Lynch, like beast mode on offense, mm-hmm. and they've got that 12th man, and it's they're unbeatable at home. And they got this crazy stat. Do you want to hear this that I found out? I do. Russ, uh, Russell Wilson, he, you know... All of his losses were by seven points or fewer. Really? Do, you, do you want to know when, even in the NFL, do you want to know when it's the last time he lost a game by double-digit scores and not seven points or fewer? When he was in NC in State the, in college because yeah. yeah. he transferred to Wisconsin. Isn't that crazy? Like, his That's losses crazy. are... It's, yeah. how, how many years did he play at Wisconsin? One Just year. Like the last year? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, what? he's 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 Be- an inspiring story, of course, because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, four foot nothing. Yeah, and uh, so amazing that he's like five, he's five foot eleven. Like he's he's approximately as tall as Drew Brees, who is short. Um, he's, he's so amazing he's that like short, the yeah. Texas Rangers are even drafting him right the now. Texas Rangers for some reason so drafted easy. him, drafted him for his winning poise and for like yeah, think just in could... case he decides to quit football. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think you know that it's basically it's virtually guaranteed that. Um, you know, they're not traveling anywhere in the postseason except for the Meadowlands, should they get there in February. February. Um, you know, and it's it's funny. They have there have been a lot. The Seahawks have been Seahawks have been a, a top team for a while now, like two solid years now. Yep. And there have been a number of like marquee regular season matchups mm-hmm. that should have been good games that they just turn into jokes. Yeah. They beat the Niners 42-13 at the end of last they year. Whooped they Saints. whooped the Saints a few yeah. weeks ago, 34-7. Yeah. And the Niners finally did get... Oh, they beat the Niners 29-3 in week two, in week I think two, it was. Yeah. They just destroyed them. Yeah. Um, the Niners did beat them this past week. But even watching that, and John mentioned this earlier, like that performance in Candlestick did nothing to dissuade me from thinking that the Seahawks are like unbeatable right mm-hmm. now. I mean, they, they, yeah, yeah, they lost, but they like, you know, it wasn't exactly the opposite of what they, the polar opposite of what they did to San Francisco up in Washington, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I'm, it's, it's really fun to watch them, you know? Yeah. You guys can want to go NBA. Yeah. Is it time to go NBA? Yeah. Do we go Jason kid off the rip? All right. Right off the rip. Jason Kidd, he's doing a great job. You know, <laughs> I talked to you. He's you, making moves. I talked to you. Do you know who should be thanking Jason Kidd? Charles Woods or Mike, Woods. Mike, Woodson. Mike Woodson? Sorry, Woodson. Charles Woodson, the safety from um the Oakland Raiders, should be totally thanking him. But yeah, no. But yeah, Mike Woodson should definitely be thanking him because if because. <sighs> 
So, so when the when in the off season when Brooklyn signed Jason Kidd, mm-hmm. I was completely taken back by this signing. I get that he's a point guard, and he's one of the great point guards of all time, and he's really through his career was one of my favorite players to watch. I just thought he was really cool, and he, you know, such an unselfish player. And yeah, all yeah, that. I yeah. loved, and he made so many players so much money. I think yeah. we talked about this. At yeah, we asked. Yeah. Uh, we he wondered made, how much, how many people owed him. He made so many mediocre players just have good statistical seasons. and yeah. you know, get their paychecks. Mm-hmm. And Martin, like Carey, Kittle, exactly, yeah. exactly. Keith Great Van player, Horn. but he never struck me. Even though that you know, they, the point guards becoming a a coach is kind of like catchers becoming a baseball manager. It's, it's yeah. like a thing that's like logical. Mm-hmm. He never struck me as a coach type. It struck me as weird, but I got why they wanted to do it. They wanted the excitement, you know, with Brooklyn, their rebranding and stuff. Mm-hmm. And what better than the excitement for Nets fans of Jason Kidd coming back to lead us back to the finals, right? That was the idea. It, so wait, so mm-hmm. the whole before you said, hmm, so it's crossed your mind before, Nick, that like you thought he'd be a coach Easily, yeah. Really? Yeah. Even this obviously it doesn't look good now because we're seeing what's happening. But yes, easily. He's like, like he took many teams and like he was like it's supposed to be an extension of the of the coach when you're on the floor and he's like masterful. Of that, yeah, but so. so was Magic Johnson and how did he pan out as a coach? Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I get I get that point, but like. I, I always thought he was going to go through the process of becoming a head coach, like ta- taking an assistant coach job uh-huh. of some kind and then and then going through the process of it and then becoming a head coach. I didn't think he would come off the rip and just, oh, have all the responsibilities. So in I that aspect, you. I always thought he was going to be a, a head coach throughout time, but I didn't think it was going to be like the year, the same like year that he retired. It, it's, he's weird. I don't know. It's like if that's the case, then what's his face should have been the uh, – a coach um if we're talking point guards stockton but no i don't know it's well jeff is doing a good job but like oh Hornacek, yeah jeff Hornacek, but like the thing is like each person that's a player and became a coach it took time for them to be a head coach he just he just went all in some people never take time look at what's his face how many interviews did um patrick ewing got and like he still hasn't got a coaching job but uh, yeah i know but like i don't was he looking i thought he was just wanted to be no, an assistant coach he wanted coach. to be a coach for some time but i i thought I, he gave up on that dream for a long time do ago. you want to know what my opinion on kid is and no offense to jason kid but his facial expression just the way his face looks he just looks dumb i don't know like he just looks like he doesn't know what's going on it's like mm-hmm. there you know you, you see quotes, even larry bird you see a quotes from him and he just kind of says things that are completely <laughs> devoid of substance yeah. yeah it's a basketball decision and we move on and we just got to get better you know like mm-hmm. he, ugh. Mm-hmm. And, and you play you know, to win the game you read articles you know from like scouts and other gms and stuff and they they say things like things are said about him like i really don't know what he does as a coach mm-hmm. lawrence frank does the defense what's his name does the offense and mm-hmm. i don't know what he does you know the the nets are the nets are really bad this has been the story of their season is awful third quarters right mm-hmm. they've been mm-hmm. terrible in the third quarter mm-hmm. you know the quarter after halftime mm-hmm. where the coach is supposed to make adjustments mm-hmm. and motivate his team based on what's happened in the first half mm-hmm. you know like they come out flat and yeah. they lose games in the third quarter essentially they get mm-hmm. blown out or they lose a lead or whatever and it's like so now he he rallied all off season for them to sign Lawrence Frank another former Nets coach who 
you know, he wanted to rely, you know, admittedly, he was being transparent about it. I'm yeah. a rookie head coach. I've never done mm-hmm. this. I want to rely on a guy who knows what he's doing and a guy who I trust and a guy I have a good relationship with. So they went out and they paid Lawrence Frank $6 million, which is more than any, way more than any assistant coach. Mm-hmm. 10 game, 15 games in, 20 games in, he's demoting him to a video guy because they're just not getting along. You know, it's like just a bit nothing. More than that, but yeah. We're not seeing an air of competence here, yeah, yeah. and it's just—it's really—it's all bad. Logic in bad. my huddle, get out of here! Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait for you to say that. Because <laughs> that was the thing. I feel like you know, I always compare him to Mark Jackson because these are guys who are almost—they're players. They're still kind of players, like mm-hmm. in their heads. Yeah, they coach from the same like rah 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 sort mm-hmm. of standpoint compared to like a that hoorah thing you know yeah compared to like a you know uh larry brown or or a coach like that or phil jackson or something Mm -hmm. like that guys Mm -hmm. who are older Mm -hmm. um and i think you know that works for in mark jackson's case a team like golden state a bunch of guys who are young Mm -hmm. you know they're all they're all very very young and they they will respond to that kind of coaching Mm. brooklyn is full of older players veterans people who are honestly like enough of this crap basically about as old as jason kidd Mm-hmm. And they really need a a much well, more senior. Players. They need a more senior figure, like someone they'll actually respect. Yeah, and because respect really becomes an issue. Like a Larry Brown. Yeah, when you're talking veterans, mm-hmm. yeah, know, people who can appreciate. They respect him as a player, but not as a coach. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. My the, favorite quote that you said from that whole Jason Kidd thing is that one person said was, I can't give him an F because he's not doing anything. I'll yeah. just give him incomplete. Like He gets an incomplete so far because, you know, when he starts actually coaching, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Well, you the mean, thing is, like, he's kind of like doing what Larry Brown did, but they're just doing, being terrible because uh, <laughs> Larry Brown had Rick Carlisle and he had, uh, I think he had, I forgot the offensive coordinator see? or something like that. But, like, he had, like, he had, like, good assistance coaches that uh, helped him out and helped the Pacers be at, uh, somewhat legit. Nope. Yeah. Know yeah. who the real winners are out of this? Atlanta Hawks for fleecing the net, uh, the Nets for that first round pick for Joe Johnson this year. Yeah. And speaking of that, you want to yeah. get into uh, how awful the uh, Eastern Conference is? Eastern Conference, yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, you know, uh, for, our, for our final topic here, um, they're 7-14, they're a game and a half out of the playoffs. Because, you know, the East has been more or less bad for a while. And, you know, it looked just recently like it was coming back. It looked to be like a power conference. You know, we thought, we thought like, big things for a lot of teams. And <laughs> Well, boy, did you know, that change. two over 500 in the entire in the entire East right now. The East has been bad before, but never anything like this. I think a few of the teams that we had on our list are not even in the playoffs already. Well, so. that's the thing. You know, when we, did our, when we did our NBA preview, we were like, oh, the Bulls. Or, a couple of us thought the Bulls were the title team mm-hmm. this year. You know, with the Bulls. You thought the Knicks were going to be. <laughs> Me. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe not. Uh, we did, I don't think any of us thought the Knicks were going to be the two seed like last year, but mostly because the East was so strong, right? Yeah. Like, Brooklyn's up there. Yeah. They're going to be great, right? Yeah. The Knicks are there. They're going to be great. Yeah. A lot of the bad teams were going to make their jump into playoff oh. worthy, like the Pistons, the Wizards. The Cavs, you know, mm-hmm. like these sorts of teams that were just going to be good. And the only the only big drop-off that we thought was probably going to be the Celtics, right? Yeah. On account of, like, losing everybody and kind of rebuilding. Apparently not. And they're the four um, seed. Yeah, this is not happening. Our this is the weirdest. Our is, is temporarily 500. Uh, Atlanta. At, at, different, at different times during the season, the three seed in the East has been below 500. You look over in the West. You want to know what makes me laugh? What I saw when you were talking about Kid and I was looking at these standings, how if you look... At the West, the the 
the twelfth place team has a positive point differential. If you look up yeah. at like the East, only three teams have a positive point differential, Atlanta and Atlanta's barely. Atlanta has a positive point one point differential here. Um, it, this is not the case anymore. But we were we were I was looking at the uh, I was looking at the standings the other night. Dude, the Lakers. The other like- night, the L.A. Lakers, the third worst team in the West, would have been the three seed. Seed, yep. Yeah. Not in the playoffs. The three seed. In the East. Wait, they're ten, eleven. What's Atlanta? Atlanta's eleven and eleven. But okay, okay, like got, it, got, it, got, ago, it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, okay, yeah, got the it. Lakers got were like the Lakers were ten and eleven, I think, and then Atlanta was also ten and eleven, something like that. There are a couple surprises here. So they would be fourth. Then one thing thing that jumps out to me is Phoenix at twelve and nine. Like we're talking yeah. about, you said Jeff Hornacek's done a great job so far with that yeah, roster. They, you know, they've turned the keys over to Eric Bledsoe, who has been injured. Uh, you think Drogic? Gordon Drogic has been the Dra- the man Dragic for that has team. Been good. Um, they're still probably going to trade <laughs> him though. Probably. Um, it's always been the story not, of his you know, career. He's not there in the future. He's just kind of there now. It's kind of sad because he's been very good for a lot of for the he teams has. that he's been on, yeah. especially when like his highlight was the beating the Spurs and basically single handle it in the playoffs. There's. There's a couple of things like what the hell's happened to Memphis ten and eleven. Then I didn't think that was going to happen because well, we know, did Mark, have Mark, them in the playoffs as Mark well. Marcus Gasol is a big deal, and you know, yeah. he really is. That's yes, a he lot is. of people would. A lot of people say he's the most disruptive defensive force. Like he just he plays it intelligently and, and stuff like Anybody that. Anybody would love to have that. Yeah, uh, Dallas has been real good. Monte Ellis. He started to came back. You know what? He, he's making good basketball decisions. He really is, and it's funny because he's like almost. He's not the number one, but he's leading the team in scoring. Yeah, and and Dirk is kind of taking that second back seat. Maybe that like well, like but except for when it comes to role. crunch time. Basically, yeah. he gets yeah. the ball during that time. But like when it comes to the scoring load, it goes to Monte. It's it's weird because some team some players never get that never get it, and it seems like Monte Ellis has found his like. Zebo, mm-hmm. like inner Zebo in him, when, yeah. when like actually like stop doing boneheaded yeah, things and actually yeah. putting things together. Another thing I wanted to talk about was it's, it's upsetting because what's his face was looking like a top five player. Um, uh, the unibrow for the Pelicans, Pelicans and he unfortunately broke his hand. Yeah, he really made a jump. Yeah, he, he really, really like made a jump to best big man in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Him, was Kirk Cousins, unbelievable. You mean Demarcus? Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I said Boogie. Boogie. Dude, my my whole my whole um, fantasy basketball team is Sacramento Kings. Yeah, you told me. <laughs> yeah. You know who else? You know who else? Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Now, so they've tra- they've traded uh, Grievous Vasquez away, and it's time to for Isaiah Thomas to start and be mm-hmm. the number one guy, not in a timeshare. Mm-hmm. And he is just blown. He's literally one of the best point guards in the league. They said, um, I was somewhere earlier, like, they feel bad for, like, Boogie. Boogie Cousins basically has to fight for shots because you got one black hole in Isaiah Thomas, who's, he's a shoot first point guard. Now you got Rudy Gay. You got Rudy Gay. And then you got Rudy Gay, who's another, like, me first player. I, now, I hate, for the sake yeah. of my <laughs> that, That's what you said. For the sake yeah. of my fantasy <laughs> team, I hate that Rudy Gay went to that team. Because mm. he was destroying Toronto. And Toronto, by the way, mm. guy's but, doing good. Yeah. Fleece the Knicks for Andrea Bargnani, a guy they were going to cut. Mm. Got a first round pick. They're actually the about Knicks. to make another deal with you with guys. Lowry. With Lowry. Unloaded Rudy Gay. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to, um, they're going to, they're going to get rid of Kyle Lowry, I guess, mm-hmm. on the Knicks. I don't For know Felton the Knicks and another oh, player. 
I don't know why they just stick onto the contract and why? just let it run out. Why don't the Knicks just sell their team? Can somebody <laughs> to, do something. Sell them to, to, can to Canada. Can somebody buy Jim Dolan's Blues records so that he can do that full time or something <laughs> like that? Oh um, man. Yeah, I you know I I I'm I'm, I'm saddened for their team because Sacramento's been awful, but they but, really have something here with Isaiah Thomas and Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gay's just gonna ruin everything. <laughs> but you know Toronto's in a good situation now. They don't have Rudy Gay. You know Demar Derozan can kind of take a little bit more, more of a yeah. uh, you know a scorer role. They have Amir Johnson. Those two guys were getting locked out. Yeah. Of, just touches, you know, because Rudy Gay was there. So yeah. now they can finally... In they can actually learn how to... Play. In particular, Valanchunas can yeah. actually become the guy that they drafted him to become. So I, yeah. they're in a great position. It, it works out. Their GM is a really good GM I that think they got the, from Denver. Denver he, yeah. My, yeah. We're not going to try to say his name. No. no but no, like you... Fine. Like, yeah, um, <laughs> I was about to say. I was like, you know his quickly, name. You know, how to say his just, name. Just, and they're about to fleece the Knicks again, though. They for train Lowry for like Felton and another player. And, 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 yeah, no, 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 my luck. It's probably no, our luck. It's probably going to be Tim Hardaway Junior. So like Felton that. only has one year left. Right? When it comes to the Knicks, when it comes to the Knicks, what? Felton only has a year left. I have no idea. Because I would un- I I, it wouldn't make sense to get him if he if uh, Lowry already has one year contract left. If they're trying to clear space anyway. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, uh, since we only have a couple minutes left, back to the East versus West. It's going to be interesting here. The West we have a huge sense. disparity now, but you know what's going to happen in the off season? The East is going to get all the lottery, lottery picks. Yeah. Well, they would have more to. Of them. You know, they're, they're going to get higher. They're they're except um, for the ones that you guys. They're traded seven. Teams. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, but the East, hey, seven teams are going to get higher lottery picks in this in this rich 2014 draft so we may see this swing back pretty soon uh we may see this right itself it won't last that way forever um we only got a minute or two left you guys want to do quick hits yes all right what do we got uh kevin love to me has been a superstar kevin love has been a superstar yes i agree do you agree john yes i do agree all right we all love kevin love where do you go what's yours Alabama fans, Saban's going to Texas, whether you like it or not. Oh, even though he said he was. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know, I know, no, I, know I know. That's the ha-ha he, about it. No way, dude. He promised. And and, and I love We Alabama. haven't heard this before. And I love Alabama, how they're making the panic. We'll give you an extension. We'll make five, five, five and $5.5 But, yeah, he's. I'll, I'll be shocked. I will come on here and, all right. I want the, you to apologize. No, <laughs> this is apology. this is my promise to you right now. If if Nick Saban does not take that Texas job next year, I will be rooting for the Alabama Crimson Tide. It will be the whatever cast. Or, wow. Or, wow. Okay. It, 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 it'll be roll, roll on a Crimson Tide. And Boston, I love your city. It's a beautiful town. Please don't kill me. Boston. <laughs> but your fans are asses. No, no, no still fuck. <laughs> uh... My quick hit. It's time to say goodbye to the BCS championship game. This is the last year. And in classic BCS form, completely uncontroversial two teams vying for the championship. When was the last time we saw this? Uh, Go FSU. Who you guys got, by the way? FSU. Uh, And where are they playing? Uh, Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, it's funny how it comes. Go SEC fans? Yeah. Oh, we're such big fans of the SEC here on Sportscast Prime. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. But the end, what you said, comes full circle. When the first year, it, 
the, the BCS closes with an ACC versus SCC. In 1998, um, the first ever BCS, it was ACC versus SCC, right. too. Comes right. full circle. Yep. Nice. See you later, BCS. Peace. Kind of. Uh-huh. All right. In a way. Thanks for listening, guys. We will catch you next week. Yeah, we'll catch you next time on Sportscast Pro. Take it easy. Later. Later.